Don't end. Thanks for not hanging up on us, Carolina. (laughs) Sometimes I accidentally press the end button, but, you know, because it's right next to the record button, at least on my computer. You almost ended us before we began. (laughs) (laughs) So ominous. That'd be like that'd be like the narrator on a scary movie trailer. Like they they almost ended before they began. And then you you see the couple like walking in to the haunted house on their first date or something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'd watch that. Yeah. Just, you know, a series of watching people make bad decisions. Good. It's like real life. That's like every horror <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So we're here. We're doing this. How are you doing? Here. Tell the people how you're doing. I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. We We're made it through fine. the first month of the year. Oh, yeah. I made it through. Whew, I made it through hell month. We did. We did make it through hell month. We made it through. Mm-hmm. Only, uh, what, like three-ish more months till I return. So you guys better be prepared. <laughs> oh, be prepared. So fun. <laughs> I'm bursting into song a lot on this episode. Sorry, guys. You are. And you know what? <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> no. That's, as long that's, as there's no bursting even... into tears. Wait, I won't even charge you extra for those bursting into song moments. Oh, good. Good. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. we ain't got the spare change. <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford it. Not in the budget. Nope. Well, I guess I should introduce myself. If you want to. Um, I'm Jess. Hi Jess, I'm Carolina. And this is our Huffing Podcast. Woo! Woohoo, back again. I believe that whenever we say this is our Huffing Podcast, the people listening in their cars or at home, in their headphones or wherever, they also cheer. I like to believe Mm -hmm. that. That we're not cheering. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're like, yes, 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 yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They get so excited they have to pull over. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, A girl can dream. And if you don't do that, don't let me know about it because I'd like to keep the fantasy going in my head. Ignorance is bliss, honestly. Yeah, for real. Well, what are we talking about today, Jess? Well, today's effing topic is deconstruction. Deconstruction. Woohoo! Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's favorite topic. For Ah. real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's going to be fine. No, No one... Well, I probably shouldn't. I was going to say, no one will be harmed in the making of this episode, but 
I can't guarantee it. No. Listen at your own risk. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> We're talking about deconstruction. Listen at your own risk. But, you know, do listen. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe with uh, your comfort blankie with you that, you know. Make yourself a cup of coffee or tea if mm-hmm. you don't do coffee. Um, or, you know, like hot chocolate or Ooh, whatever extra whipped cream Whatever taste. makes you happiest. Curl up with your favorite blanket because I hear it's cold over there. And, um, you know, put some comfy socks on, some soothing music, and... <laughs> We'll get through this together, guys. We're going to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for those of you who may have no idea why we're uh, like saying this is going to be a doozy, um, let me just clarify what deconstruction is, because of course I have a definition, because this is Jess, of course. Jess did the notes this week, so it's clearly yeah. 10 times more <laughs> thorough than when I do the notes. <laughs> uh, listen, it's fine. That's why you keep me around. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, okay. So the definition of deconstruction, and we're talking about deconstruction in the realm of faith, um, in a faith context, because as a reminder, season two is all about faith. Yes. Um, so deconstruction is the taking apart of an idea, practice, tradition, belief, or system in order to examine its foundation, truthfulness, usefulness, and impact. That was a lot of words. Yeah, so basically just taking apart uh, beliefs, traditions, um, religious systems, examining the pieces of that that you've taken apart and determining what things are actually true or valuable and what things are not. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think we'll get into this a little bit more later, but I think the that process of deconstruction is really just the taking apart of and mm-hmm. then I think um a lot of people have a an, an incomplete view of the full process of deconstruction because you have the deconstruction, but then we'd never talk about reconstruction and building mm-hmm. back up of what you have taken apart and decided you can, you can keep. And so I think we'll yeah. talk about that more, but um, I'm actually kind of excited about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of one of those topics too, that if you're in the, if you, if you, are a participant in any kind of religious spaces it's a pretty like hot 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 topic right now mm-hmm. um deconstruction is kind of a buzzword right now because a lot of people especially people our age millennials and younger um yes. are kind of really exploring this this They're really yeah. kind of yeah and forsaking yeah, it, some of the I agree. It's kind of, it's kind of a buzzword, um, on both ends of the spectrum, I think for young people and for the older generations, I think, you know, there's a lot of heavy connotations that come with the word deconstruction, um, Mm -hmm. the, and especially around the deconstruction of faith. Um, Mm -hmm. and so just to kind of give background for people who may not know what we mean, um, uh, this word is the word deconstruction has been used a lot by people who have um, 
left their faith and and chosen to not be Christian or be seen as Christian anymore. Um, and they use that term to say, you know, like, I pulled my faith apart and decided that I didn't believe those things. And so I think there's a lot of fear behind it because, you know, people in the church don't want people deconstructing because they're afraid that everybody's going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that, and I, I think, think that, that kind of hits your first point there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about what, what are some negative ideas about deconstruction yeah. and where they come from? I think you're exactly right on the money with that. And also because most people who talk about deconstruction are people who have chosen to completely do away with any kind of faith practice. Um, the people who are continuing maybe have, you said, reconstructed or um, they don't talk about it as often. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't hear from those people as often, mainly because I don't know that the church as a whole is a safe place to talk about deconstructing your faith because people freak out. Like people freak out if you question or doubt or like, you know, and you have to be able to have the space to have those doubts and um, take apart learned belief systems Mm -hmm. in order for you to come to personally, I believe a true and vibrant faith. Yeah. Um, So it's really difficult for people, I think, who want to still participate in faith spaces to talk about it openly (laughs) yeah so all you ever hear are the voices of the ones who've rejected faith completely yes yes and there are and I I think it kind of got started because there were a lot of people who were I I don't want to say necessarily famous but you know had a large audience and they publicly um you know said you know we used to believe these things and we used to call ourselves Christians but we don't anymore and so on and so forth. And so I think that the, that there is a lot of negativity around deconstruction. And um, my hope for today is to kind of lessen that negativity and maybe um, reconstruct deconstruction <laughs> in the minds <laughs> of the people. <laughs> yes, here for it. Um, what are, what is your personal perspective on deconstruction? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, to be honest, I think more people deconstruct than, um, we're aware of, Mm. um, because, because of the reconstruction process, um, I think a lot of us in the day-to-day in, you know, living life as a, a believer, I think that, you know, a lot of people ask questions and and grow and believe new things throughout their lives. Some do it more dramatically or more openly or more loudly than others. Um, and some are just quiet and they, you know... It, probably comes out looking like, you know, oh, the Lord spoke to me about this. And I realized that I'd been, you know, thinking this way or doing this thing and, and I don't need to anymore. Or or I was, I was incorrect about something, you know? And so I think there are a lot more, um, 
people who deconstruct and reconstruct and they don't they they just don't use that language and so we don't associate that with what they've done you know but those are that's my my thoughts on deconstruction is that everybody should deconstruct everybody should take what you know what they're learning and what their pastors have said and what their parents have said and filter that through what they know to be true, what the Bible says is true, um, and what the Lord has spoken to them, you know? And, like, one of the biggest things that I've learned and grown more confident in during my time here in Brazil is being able to discern, like, when the Lord has spoken to me and when other people are trying to speak different things to me, even in the best of intentions, and, you know, discerning when those things contradict. And um, even if it's not, you know, something necessarily bad that somebody has spoken over me or said to me, but it's like, that's not what God said, you know. And so um, I think that it's important to come to a place where we're able to discern that and and build up what we know to be true about God for ourselves and not what somebody else has said to us. Yeah, yeah I, yes, agreed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I agree that everyone should, should de- I think, deconstruct. I think that it's impossible to have a vibrant faith without, at some level, deconstructing some. Some pieces. Something. Yeah, <laughs> some pieces, yes, some some pillars that have been built. Um and it might not be as much for some as for others, you know. Um but I think everyone sh- should and needs to deconstruct what they have learned to find what they know. Mm-hmm. Um and to find truth. I have a very healthy um relationship with deconstruction. I think part partly because um, even though I grew up really uh, staunch religious spaces, in staunch religious spaces, my dad was always very encouraging of questioning and curiosity and doubting. And he never made me feel shame for questioning. Yeah. Other people did like constantly. <laughs> but at home with dad, if I asked him a question, he never he never made he me never feel down for a question. No, no. Um, in fact, he encouraged me more than anything to do that. Um, so I think I've just always been someone who asked questions. And if something didn't line up to me, I just, no, that's not even, <laughs> I, I, I think I've told you this story. There was a time when I was, I gosh, I had to be like about, maybe 12 or 13 and we moved churches from an independent Baptist church to a Southern Baptist church. Whoa. And I'm sure you're thinking they're just Baptists. What's the big deal? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it was a big deal so much so that my grandfather didn't talk to us for like a year. Um, And I asked my dad, like, why is what like why are they so upset because to me it was just the same it wasn't I don't understand it's just another church <laughs> um and my dad 
told me about, they believe something about the universal church versus the local church and that affects, you know, your position in what, where you're living in heaven or something. I don't know. It was oh some my ridiculous gosh. thing. And he goes, he goes and talks in about all this stuff and points to the book of Ephesians. And I'm just like, finally, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> 13 years old okay I don't even obviously I don't remember middle school Jess dropping truth bombs (laughs) (laughs) obviously he was much more eloquent and I'm sure you know made complete sense from his perspective when he told me but I was just like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard and so you know at 13 years old I'm like well that's dumb like I I reject that (laughs) you know (laughs) um (laughs) but there are other pieces of me that I think um I know, I do know Yeah, that are still like, there's pillars of fundamentalism in me that I don't even realize they're still there. Like right. most recently for me has been regarding scripture and how I just had this really kind of distasteful relationship with scripture because I had believed for so long because of how I was taught that it, that scripture was just like, either a history book or mm-hmm. a how-to manual on how to be good and avoid bad. Sure. And it had to be absolutely accurate, absolutely true. And that's what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had this relationship with scripture that was really fractured because I had believed these things forever. And it was just like over this COVID time, when I started kind of re-engaging with scripture that I started giving myself the space to say, what if, what if the Bible's just a story? Like, what if it's just a story? Does it have value? Does it have meaning? Do Mm -hmm. I care about it? If it's just a story, you know, and then kind of like re-engaging it. Yeah. From that perspective. Sorry, go ahead. No, you do it. I think re-engaging it from that perspective really allowed me the space to be able to um, really receive what great lessons there were for me to learn through scripture. And do I know if for a fact that it's, you know, completely, you know, a hundred percent true down to every jot and tittle? No. Do I believe that there's value in the stories and that the Lord is speaking through them? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. (laughs) yeah I think I think that you know the place coming to a place where you are allowing yourself to ask questions like is the bible even true is what most people are scared out of their minds about because like like how how dare we you know suggest that the bible could not be true we've based our whole religion on what this says and this and that and like I think that coming to that place, you know, scares so many people. But it's like, you know, God gives us the grace to ask those questions. And I th- I think for a lot of people, some of what I've heard is like, you've come, a lot of people who deconstruct and reconstruct, not necessarily people who just run away. Um, but like, I think a lot of people come to a place where the only thing that they know for, 
fact is that God is God, that there is a God and that he is Mm -hmm. our God, the one that we believe in. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they start building from there, you know, and like, I, I think that there are, you know, fundamental truths that, you know, we believe, you know, that Jesus is the son of God, uh, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again, that there's grace and this, this and that. And that, you know, the rest kind of icing on the cake, you know, up for interpretation because the Bible isn't clear on a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think we have to, as part of the deconstruction process, I think what naturally happens is the freedom to, you know, detach our identity from things that we believed before that were concrete, that aren't. Mm -hmm. And so when they fall apart because they're not necessarily concrete, we lose part of our identity. But, you know, placing our identity in the truth of what, of who God is and what he says about us and who we are really frees up the space to be like, well, what if the Bible isn't true? Does it have value? What can I learn? Why is it here? Why was it given to us? You know, like, if it doesn't have value, why are we using it? (laughs) You know, and like being able to ask those questions, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's, it's important to ask those questions. It's important to allow ourselves the space to, you know, like God's big enough to take it. It, I mean, if he gets, if he throws a hissy fit over the fact that we ask a question, like he's a pretty, he needs to go to therapy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) talk about codependency. (laughs) I, you know, I think he's going to be all right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to, I think he's going to be okay if we ask questions. Yeah, I think so. Especially since, like, especially when they're related to a system of believing, a system of believing, any kind of religious system, because, mm-hmm. you know, the more that I've, I've really read the stories of Jesus, the more I find him to be a master deconstructor. Like he's constantly destroying and dismantling religious systems. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's his whole thing. I mean, even like, uh, I'm going to just go off on a tangent and this might be a super long episode, but it's fine. Um, There's a story in John chapter nine, maybe chapter nine. Possibly. Where Jesus uh, heals a blind man. And he does this by spitting in dirt and mixing dirt to make mud and putting it on the man's eyes. Yeah. It's like totally normal, right? Total, total normal rabbi thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Even in that time. (laughs) (laughs) So he does this on Sabbath day. And I learned recently that um, Sabbath day, there was um, the Jews had put there was the law, right? Like, so what God mm-hmm. had given them. And then they had put all these, what they called the hedge around the law of protection so that they wouldn't get anywhere close to breaking the law. So they put more rules around it that they had to keep. So one of these rules with regards to breaking Sabbath is that you can't mix or stir mm. because that might be considered work. So like you could pour, you know, milk in your cereal, but you couldn't mix it together. 
<laughs> it makes coffee really hard so to Jesus, drink with milk, you know? Oh my gosh. Imagine all the sugar at the bottom. No, Ugh. I'm sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> um, so Jesus, here's Jesus, right? On Sabbath day, mm-hmm. mixing dirt and spit to heal the man, put it on his eyes, but he doesn't stop there. He then sends him to this, the pool of Shalom, which is a pool that they priests go to, to collect water for ritual washing for Sabbath day. So Mm. he sends this man into the middle that he, that has Sabbath breakage on his eyes. (laughs) Sends him to the pool of Shalom in front of all these religious men. And just asking for like trouble. It, yeah, it's like Jesus is putting on a spot a spotlight on the fact that it's not about the religion. It's never been about keeping the religion. You know? Yeah. And I mean, he could have healed that man anyway. He wanted to. He could have spoken and healed him. He could have touched it, him and healed him. You could say he just really wanted to stir things up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I you're welcome. I don't know why I didn't expect that, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Okay, continue. There's a ton of of stories like that where Jesus like intentionally does things that he didn't have to do because he's poking at this construction of religion that we've built. Yeah. Which we do as humans. The history of humans yeah. is to build build towers to reach God. And he's saying, no, you don't need a tower to reach me. Yeah. So anyways, I say all that to say that I don't think that God is bothered by us dismantling our belief systems because he does it. Yeah. Yeah. I am like, I don't know that he ever wanted to create religious systems in the first place. He didn't, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't want to give them rules, but they asked for rules. So he gave mm-hmm. them rules. He didn't want to build temples, but they built temples. So he resided in them, you know, mm-hmm. and like to then come and say that our, our religious towers and our belief systems and things that we have built on top of the base truth that God is God, Jesus came, died, rose. To say that all of that man-made stuff is sacred and can't be touched. Mm-hmm. More idols. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely the definition of there idol I said it. and <laughs> pride. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said it, Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We well, don't realize, I think, I think it's an easy, it's a slow fade into yeah. from, from believing in God to believing in the things of God, mm. you know? And I think that we tend to put more of our, like you said earlier, we, we hook our identity to the things of God rather than God himself. Yeah. And so when those things start to crumble as things inevitably do, we we suddenly find ourselves at a loss for identity. Yeah. And or and or and or 
we become really protective of those things. Mm-hmm. Like if any kind of perceived attack comes against those things, we are like vicious. Like we have to viciously protect those things because who yeah. we are is so tied to them. So we can't give space for people to question. We can't give space for people to um, struggle, to doubt, to have a different opinion or thought than us even. Yeah. We can't give space for that because our identity is so tied to this this thing that we believe rather than in the God of questioners, you know. What what comes to mind for me is like when – when people say that, you know, we're called to love others, not attack them with the Bible, right? We're called to love others. (laughs) We're called to love others. And then people who are still ultra attached in their identity to the Bible come and say, well, you know, love and truth, love and truth, love and truth. And like, yeah, okay, love and truth. But it, it's like, you know, and then they come and they say, you know, and the Bible says this and the Bible says this. And like the very fact that you feel the need to defend all of that right now mm. proves to me that you don't understand what it means to love others. And it proves to me that you hold the these systems and this book in higher regard than you do another human being. Mm. And it makes me sad. Yeah. We tend to do that. God's people tend to do that. I mean, we made an idol out of the snake in the wilderness, that <laughs> bronze snake in the wilderness that it was just supposed to be saved a symbol. There's supposed to be, yes, a symbol of God saving them. But we made that mm-hmm. into a God and worshiped it, and bowed down to it. And then we took the idol, the Ark of the Covenant, which again, supposed to be a symbol. <laughs> and we said oh we need that ark of the covenant because it will save us it will save us from our enemies it's like we just continually do that we take the things that are gifts from god and we make those god Mm -hmm. you know it's just a pattern with us yep humans nothing new Nothing new under the sun. Now we just do it, you know, with the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) We we make, we bow down to the Bible instead of to the God who gave it to us. Just saying. Just saying. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll move on to the next one. Let's. We camped out there for a while. <laughs> uh, what did or does just deconstruction look like in our own faith journeys? Um, I think for me, I was one of those that really didn't ever realize that I deconstructed because I feel like I already I already believed a lot of the things that I was convicted that was true, you know? And so I came to a place and I didn't quite, you know, get there and say, oh, I suddenly believe so much less than I did before. And I feel, you know, all this stuff, you know, I think I, 
I experienced some hurt. I experienced some loss within the church. And I then I said, you know what? God is good. And he is kind. And I still believe that. And we're going to just move forward. And I dealt with the anger and the hurt as it came. And that took time. And then, you know, I think that that was part of a lot of what I did. And then over the years, kind of realizing that, oh, this person said this, and I don't quite agree. Why don't I agree? And then doing the research and the work and the prayer and all of this stuff to figure out what I do believe instead of what that person has said. And I think that, you know, my, my, de my deconstruction is gradual and ongoing as I grow and as I learn and as I, you know, realize that I have old ways of viewing things that aren't necessarily accurate or that I am not sure that I believe and doing the work in the, in the research and the prayer to find out, okay, well, what do I believe instead? And a lot of times I, it's a slow process for me because a lot of times I'll think about it and I'll just come back to it some time later, you know, like sometimes I don't even dive down deep in the moment, um, but I'll observe and I'll, you know, come back to that thought later and realize I figured it out, you know, and like just letting, I think I just more than anything kind of let the Lord guide me to where he wants me and teach me as we go along. I think it's a, a lot, for me, a lot of it is about just continuously keeping an open mind and heart. Mm. What about you? Um, <laughs> no surprise, my, my deconstruction has been a bit louder. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> <In> Carolinas. <laughs> um, I think the biggest piece of my deconstruction happened in leaving home mm. for the first time. And um, also like pretty much going to college and saying, forget God, <laughs> <laughs> who needs them? Uh, because I was alcoholic and you know, all I needed was alcohol. That was my savior until it wasn't. And, you know, coming to this, all of that, all of that deconstructing, like actually dismantling happened in that period and then there was definitely a period of reconstruction of like what do I even what do I even believe because I don't unfortunately I can't be an atheist <laughs> it didn't work out for me as much as hard as I tried but I don't believe or even want to believe in the God that I was raised to believe in yeah so what who is this God and you know yeah and so it, it, there was definitely a reconstruction period. And then um, I have, as I've matured and really allowed faith to be, come alive in my life, um, there's been seasons of deconstruction and reconstruction and deconstruction mm -hmm. and reconstruction. And I think the most important thing for me has been being okay with not knowing, yeah. like being okay with saying, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. This is what I hope to be true. And this is where I'm hooking my faith. But there are things that I don't know if they're true or not. Mm -hmm. 
I know for a fact that I know that God exists, that he loves me wildly and irresponsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that his calling is to love others. Those things I know. The rest of it, I I don't I don't know for sure. They're gray. They're gray areas. Yeah. And so I have to kind of like come back to those things that I have decided to be certain of and find hope in. And yeah. um like be okay with not knowing sometimes, which is yeah. really tough for me because part of the system that I grew up in was that you always had to know. You always had to know the answer and it mm-hmm. had to be the right answer. And you mm-hmm. not only did you have to know, you had to convince other people of it. Yeah. And to not be that anymore is really freeing, <laughs> but also super scary because it's, you know, that's the, the comfortable mm-hmm. foundation that I grew up in. And so it's definitely equal parts free and scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think when you've grown up with, with that under your feet and the knowing a lot of things and you know all of that suddenly when it's not there it can feel like you've got nothing under your feet yeah. you know and and you have to choose to believe you know well I've got the Lord is holding me up like mm-hmm. that's my foundation and these things that I've hooked my faith on that that's my foundation and I'm not just floating in midair <laughs> yeah excuse me That'll be fun on the audio. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't Did even you hear, my, hear it. I was saying my giant hiccup. <laughs> I didn't. I just saw you like back up and then come back and say, excuse me. And I was like, <laughs> sure, you're excused. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a giant hiccup. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. So last one on here. Mm-hmm. And this might not be the right way to ask this question, but hopefully you'll understand me because you speak Jess. Yeah. Um, What does it look like to support someone deconstructing within a community? Um, Well, I think first and foremost, it looks like creating a community where it's safe to admit that you don't know things and that (laughs) you're deconstructing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's a big, um, like the number one thing that you need is provide a community that supports asking questions. Um, and then from there, you know, if somebody voices their questions, do your best to answer them, but also don't act like you have all the answers. (laughs) I think, you know, providing grace, providing, support providing um space to even for you yourself to say actually I don't know the answer to that question you know and and reiterating foundational truths that God loves them that they're safe where they are that you know that it's okay to ask questions and search for answers and this and that you know I think that those are really important um, requirements for providing support. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know that I would even, I don't know that I would even say, tried to give them the answer. Yeah. They ask you. <laughs> like, I, I think it's, it's valuable to say, to ask them follow-up questions or like give them, <laughs> give them things to think about because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really, I think it goes back to, I think, I think we talked about this on the first episode of this season about the idea of naturally wanting to fix things that we perceive to be broken. Sure. Like it's important. It's important as humans for us to be part of fixing things. (laughs) And I think that we tend to fall into that when someone's deconstructing around us is wanting to contribute to that, you know, um, quote unquote fixing, but you know, in doing that, we prevent their growth in some ways because, you know, if we're trying to hold up the things that are falling from their deconstructing, then they're not going to get to build their their new their new vibrant faith. So, I don't know. I guess just give give people space to be messy and yeah, be broken and not know, or maybe and, and also like give people the space to like not have to define themselves right away. Like, sure. I know that that was really important when my brother started going through his deconstruction process because, um, you know, he originally came to out to me as being an atheist. And then, I mean, his, his journey has progressed from there to kind of morphing and changing some. And I think that a lot of times when someone comes to us and says, well, I just have, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God at all. Like we freak out, we freak out about it. And we're like, immediately want to fix that. Like, no, don't believe that. But like, that just might be where they have to go first. They might have to Mm -hmm. just completely clear. That's what I had to do. I mean, I had to completely clear everything I believed before I could, you know, evaluate it and assess like what is true and what's not, what is good and what's not, you know, Um, so like give people the space to like be on a journey and be in process. Um, I think that's really important to you. Yeah. And I think maybe, um, cause you're right. Like don't, don't try to necessarily answer their questions, but maybe like provide resources for them, you know, um, ask questions, give them things to think about, um, and provide resources for them to look into and learn about. And um, they may come back with more questions. <laughs> I know that sometimes happens. But, you know, that's okay. Questions are good. Questions are good. Yeah. Yeah, and in that vein, like, um a lot of people can feel like when they're going through deconstruction that they are like, there's a fear of being ousted from their faith community mm-hmm. or like not having a place of belonging anymore because they don't adhere to a set of ideas that everyone else does. Yeah. Um. So just like giving people the room to like, making sure they understand that they're not, they're not going to be disqualified from community if they're having struggles and, yeah. We actually, a friend of ours, um, Casey Freeman, has a, uh, she does um, therapy 
she's a therapist and she does therapy specifically for people who are having um like deconstructing and on a you know have faith wounds religious wounds church wounds um she actually has a site called unravelingfree.com and we can like put the link in the but it has a lot of resources there if you're struggling if you're having like if you have spiritual hurts and stuff I know she does like online therapy and stuff too so um that's awesome I had no idea yeah way to go Casey now you know the more you know (laughs) (laughs) so good Uh, (laughs) just so I'll probably edit this out this question but just so we're I'm pretty sure I know you're talking about Casey Bain because she's not a Freeman anymore (laughs) but there's another Casey Freeman otherwise I would have totally known what you were talking about (laughs) you're right Although technically, she didn't take Sammy's name. So never mind. Completely disregard. I didn't know this. I think I saw that on Facebook shortly after they got married. It was that she won, She kept her name. Uh, rewind. Not Casey Freeman. Casey Bain. <laughs> Casey Bain. <laughs> Please forgive me. Uh, people get married and stuff, which is weird to me. But I guess it's a thing. So... I should probably remember their names after marriage. But the important thing is I knew what you were, who you were talking about. I just wanted to make sure and clarify. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Always, you always have my back. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Freemans are listening going, oh, my God, stop talking about us. They're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Betty's like, they mentioned us. They mentioned us. You guys, you're on podcast oh she texts she sends out a family text to everyone yeah (laughs) shout out to you guys love you (laughs) love you i mean it oh Oh, my gosh well anyway (laughs) anyways i guess we should end this bad boy up by uh sharing my f word of the day yes let's do it I also broke the rules because Carolina did it last time and it seemed yeah. fun. So I thought I would do it this time. So we mine's like, like breaking rules, just like Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we break rules just like Jesus. Um, mine is like an old slang phrase, mm. but it does start with F. Okay. It's hyphenated. Family disturbance. Hyphenated. Family. Hyphenated. Hyphen. Hyphen. Disturbance. And it's an old okay. cowboy slang name for whiskey. <laughs> Which can confirm. It is a family perfect, disturbance. Perfect name for it. Family it disturbance. disturbs families. It, it definitely disturbs families. Word of warning. <laughs> Good glass of family disturbance. Mm, Coming right know. up. You want that on the rocks or... <laughs> No, straight up, baby. Okay, good. (laughs) Just straight up. Don't water that that down. Exactly, exactly. So if you're looking for a fun thing to talk, uh, to use to describe your whiskey, family disturbance, you're welcome. There you go. (laughs) Well, um, I feel like when we ask them to email us and talk about stuff, we should do it at the beginning 
because mm. then they have no choice. They can't like stop listening after we do That's the true. F word of the day because mm. we know you guys are doing that. <laughs> yeah. We know you're just hitting that, that fast forward button. Yeah. You're fast forwarding 30, straight 30 second to the end because you don't want to email us because nobody ever emails us. Jeez. It's very upsetting. Anyway. Carolina cries uh, herself to sleep at night because of it. Sure. <laughs> Listen, I am secure in who I am in the Lord. I don't need you guys to email mm-hmm. me. Just don't email me then. Fine. <laughs> it's fine. fine. Be that way. I don't want to talk to you anyways. <laughs> well, but if you deconstructed and you want to tell us about it or talk to us about <laughs> anything else or suggest topics for the podcast for us to talk about or whatever you want, just to say hello and to tell me not to cry myself to sleep, you can reach out to us via email at rfingpodcast at gmail.com or send us anything through the Instagram at rfingpodcast. You could also reach out to us uh, on our personal Instagrams. I am at Renegade Pastor. Carolina is at Carolina P underscore De Silva. We want to hear from you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us so that you get notified anytime there's a new episode. So yeah. wherever you listen, hit the subscribe button. Also, that's great for us because then other people see us and you yeah. don't have to be the only one that we're yelling at to email us. So, yeah, you know. And, you know, a review on Apple Podcasts also goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Caro. I'm Jess. And this is our effing podcast. Don't forget to love each other. Don't forget.